that other pilgrims have gone through this valley and that we are standing on their shoulders. So we think immediately that two out of the three prayers that Jesus prayed on the cross were taken from the Psalter. So now that we've set the stage, let me pull back the curtain. Let me give you three notes to pull back the curtain. Number one, Tim Challies is a pastor up in Toronto, and he's a Christian author. He's written several books. So I want to share a couple of thoughts with you this morning from one of his books called Aging Gracefully, just for you to consider in a bit of context as we proceed this morning within the framework that's provided by 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 5, 1. Charlie says that there are five sorrows of aging. The sorrow of weakness, the sorrow of weariness, the sorrow of reaping, the sorrow of mortality, and the sorrow of fear. Sorrow of weakness, sorrow of weariness, the sorrow of reaping, the sorrow of mortality, and the sorrow of fear. But likewise, there are five joys of aging. The joy of wisdom, the joy of godliness, the joy of respect, the joy of reaping, the flip side of the former, and the joy of mortality. The joy of wisdom, the joy of godliness, the joy of respect, the joy of reaping, and the joy of mortality. So if you are a note taker, we've got three markers this morning. Number one, the realities of confidence. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my Lord, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust, 
and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Look at verse 1. God is his refuge right from the beginning. That's the way he starts. There are 50 references to this phrase, to being our refuge in the book of Psalms. And that's present tense and future tense. And verse 2 paints a picture of this old man. And it's like the psalmist is asking God to, to bend down. You know, I, I, I'm getting old. I don't have as much energy as I Can you please bend down and listen to this faint voice? I'm, I'm calling up. I'm not standing straight up. Can you bend down and stoop? And it's such a beautiful contrast. You got this weak man and these strong hands. Verse 3, this rock of refuge is being constantly renewed. There's a door here and we have the key and we can come to him and we can come boldly. So as we proceed through Psalm 71 today, please be thinking of one question. Just take one question and put it in the back of your mind and we're going to come back to it. Where is your refuge today? Where do you go for refuge? Who or what is your rock and your fortress? Where do you run to seek shelter and to hide. The world? Money? Power? Control? Work? Maybe you got a great job. Family? How about your hobbies, your activities? Maybe it's a substance. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's ministry. 
Let's watch where the psalmist goes. Verse 4, he's looking to be rescued as his strength, but not his opposition diminishes. You know, sometimes we think that as we age, maybe we're going to reach a point where it's not going to be hard anymore, where we're going to be exempt from these challenges that we've had to go through. Maybe God's going to be kind and we'll get to this gate that we can go through and exhale. Oh, man. That's not the way it works. Verse 5, he talks about his hope. That's a lowercase h and a capital H. His hope and his hope. And the God of hope, capital H, and his confidence, the, the confidence from his youth, looking back all those years ago, are one and the same. Verse 6, he's looking back. He's looking over his shoulder. And maybe it's getting dimmer and dimmer because the eyesight isn't what it used to be. But he's looking back even to his birth. And when we do that, that lets us live in gratitude. He's always sheltering. So we should always be living in gratitude. And we can always be expecting as he continues that work that he began so long ago, so many years ago. Verse 7, I have been a, as a portent to many. It's talking about the trials that this psalmist have been through. And some people look at it as God's care. And other people look at it as God's punishment. Verse 8, my mouth is filled with your praise. And it's not just to utter praise. It's to be full of praise. Big difference. Number two, richness of confidence. Richness of confidence. <clears throat> Verse 9, do not cast me off in the time of old age. This is lament. And you can hear it, and you can see it, and you can feel it. This is one of those times where we look back and we're hit with regret as you look back over your life and you focus on 
even for a minute, those times of regret. And brothers and sisters, that's where the enemy Regret's a nice place to visit once in a while, but you don't want to live there. And the enemy comes back, and he takes advantage of those times. He goes, yeah, yeah, remember this. Remember when you did this? How could you do that? God's not going to be pleased with that. Who are you kidding? Verses 10 and 11. The enemies are looking at this and they think that the psalmist has been abandoned by God and that this is their opportunity. There's not going to be anybody there to save this guy. But like Job's friends, they have come to the wrong conclusion about this psalmist's suffering. Verses 12 to 13, he cries out for God's fidelity to his promises. You promised this. Now I'm holding you to that. Verse 14, in the thick darkness of his afflictions, he was still guided by the light of God's word. In the worst of times, there is no end to God's loving kindness. So there should be no end to our gratitude. Verse 15 talks about God's acts, his deeds, his blessings, they are overwhelmingly innumerable. We fail at that application of divine mathematics. So this is an encouragement for us to count your blessings, to name them one by one. And you think, ah, it's just it's too many. I'm just blessed. Maybe we ought to count our blessings more often. Maybe we ought to name them one by one. Verse 16. Resolve to come to the Lord and before God with our praise. And when you do, when we do that, we should be boasting in his righteousness and not our accomplishments. John Calvin once said, what profanity when men congratulate themselves for their prosperity. Verse 17, once again, we're looking at this youth versus old age, this spectrum, this continuum, youth and old age. That was then, this is now. And you look at a lifetime of God's sharing, a lifetime 
of that relationship through what he teaches and what he does. Let's read verses 9 to 17. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him. For there is none to deliver him. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. So the realities of confidence, verses 1 through 8. The richness of confidence, 9 through 17. Number 3, the rewards of confidence, verses 18 to 24. So even to old age and gray hairs, God, do not forsake me. He keeps coming back to this. There's some worry. There's some doubt. There's a little bit of, of anxiety, perhaps. A little bit of uncertainty. God's lifelong care of him is such that now this psalmist has a livelier interest in the future. Even at old age. He's looking for a new lease on life. And the reason he wants that is verse 18. Until I proclaim your might to another generation. He wants a new lease on life so he can give his solemn testimony to the next generation. Just, just protect me until I do that. There is much to be done, and he is eager to do it, even in old age. You know, it's funny, when we think about things like this, maybe there are some of us here that are thinking, um, I'm pretty private about my faith. 
I don't talk much about my faith. It's a pretty private thing to me. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, I'm a little too humble to tell my story. I'm a, I'm a humble guy, and I don't like to talk much about my faith. I, I, I'm humble. And maybe others are saying, well, I prefer to let my actions speak for me. I'll, I'll just let people see my life. I don't have to talk. They'll see it. I'll, I'll put the burden on them to witness this. I don't have to witness. I'll just let them watch this. I want us to see what the psalmist does in verse 18. Do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. We got to think about that. We need to share our faith. That's what the psalmist is saying. You proclaim and you pass it down. Verse 19 to 21 is talking about revival and righteousness from the depths of the earth to the skies. Oh God, who is like you? What a wonderful and worshipful question that is asked many, many times in the Psalms. Look at verses 22 to 24. O Holy One of Israel, this is only the third time that it's asked like this in the Psalter. Forty times they refer to him as this in the book of Isaiah. And this takes us back, all the way back to Leviticus, Leviticus 11, 44. Let's read this. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power, our story is his story. We're not supposed to get wrapped up in telling our story so much that it ceases to become his story. Our story is his story. His story. That's Sam Erickson. Your righteousness, O oh God, reaches the high heavens. 
you who have done great things. Oh God, who is like you? You have made me see many troubles and calamities. Will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the heart for your faithfulness, O oh my God. I will sing praises to you with a lyre, O oh Holy One of Israel. What a beautiful phrase that takes us back to the relationship between God and his people. And even during those times that they forgot that relationship, and they strayed, and they betrayed. It's still the relationship between God and his people. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. In his old age, the psalmist brings his fingers to play, his lips to sing, and his tongue to tell. This psalm opens in prayer and then it transitions to praise. And at the end, when the dust settles, the only thing that is remaining is praise. So let me ask you right now, do you, if, do you know the God of Psalm 71? Do you know his son? Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus or you think you know him but you're not sure, let me just tell you that life is certainly complicated. We all know that. No revelation there. But there is a certain elegant simplicity to the gospel. And we are glad that you are here with us today. If you don't know him, and if you don't, I want you to know that it is not, never has been, never will be about what you've done or how you've done it. It is only, has always been, always will be about what he did for you on the cross. I was reading in the book of Amos the other day for my devotions and it said, 
and he who is swift of foot shall not save himself. Brothers and sisters, you first need to admit that you cannot save yourself. And trust that Christ will do it for you. And then we turn our hearts away from sin that we do so well and we are masters of. And then you turn toward Jesus in faith and in reliance. And then you repent and believe and then you rest and rejoice. And then you are clothed in his righteousness, not yours. It's not about you. And if it's always been about you, then praise God. Now you've got the freedom so that it is not about you. And once you are clothed in his righteousness, then little by little, by God's grace, Lord willing, you start to look a little more like him every day. Some days one step forward, two steps back, but that's called sanctification. And if you would like to talk more about what that looks like, the theological terms and concepts, please tell somebody here today before you leave, because we would love to talk more about our Lord and Savior. Talk to anyone in here. Talk to me, talk to Randy, talk to Marcus, talk to anybody in here. Talk to Sarah, talk to Jill. Talk to Suzanne, anyone in here. Three quick reflections looking back. Number one, the times that we need to seek God the most are often times where either our inclination or our energy makes it difficult to do that. And that's whether it's in the face of a threat by people, a particular path that you're on, or the aging process itself. Number two, we see that the psalmist here was not content with his praise, his worship. He vows here to be more and more a better and more grateful worshiper of the Lord Jesus. So that just tells us, it kind of reinforces to us, we cannot rest in our thankfulness. And then number three, we know, Scripture tells us that God's grace is sufficient. 
And brothers and sisters, if there's anyone in here or you know anybody that is not content with God's grace alone, they will fall. Let me give you three resolutions moving forward, and then we'll close. Number one, once again from Scripture, Chalice says that we have at least five responsibilities as we age. The responsibility of maturity, the responsibility of involvement, the responsibility of example, the responsibility of mentoring, and the responsibility of watchfulness. Maturity, involvement, example, mentoring, and watchfulness. So thinking about the responsibility of example, we are so grateful for people like Betty, Connie, Jean, Dorothy, Joanne, Lillian, Don, Helen, Larry, Jill, Joe, Quentin, and Yvonne. Who have lovingly modeled what faithfulness is to the church. And they've also showed us how to deal with the trials and tribulations of life in a broken world. with loss, grief, celebration. They are gifts to this church. And we praise God for them. Thinking about responsibility as we age, we are called to please God. We are supposed to live in such a way as we age, that we age in Christ, 
and for Christ. And we should purpose to live and age in a way that makes God look glorious at any age, regardless of what age you're at today. In thinking about the passage of time, the inevitable passage of time, we can see looking at John 9, 4, that the only clock that Christ paid any attention to was the clock of his Father's will. Number two, J.I. Packer once said that living, learning to live with old age is a spiritual discipline in itself. And it is a dependent discipline. If you want to be joyful in old age, be joyful now. Don't wait. And number three, thinking about so many people in the world who don't know Christ and thinking about the Great Commission, embracing the Great Commission, the question is, what is your vision for old age into retirement? Perhaps a Sabbath evening of a life of leisure? Little reward for all the hard work you've done? In a conversation for another time, this is what John Piper said about that prospect. What a tragic way to finish the last mile before entering the presence of the king who finished his last mile so differently. Thought I would run that one by you. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, Galatians 2, 2, Philippians 2, 16, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. They all picture the Christian life as running a race. So in that paradigm here, today, one quick question. Are you running to God or away from God? To God or away from God? I mean, we all know that the Christian life is a long distance race with seasons of sprints. So how are you doing with that? How's your pace? Getting winded? Struggling? Sidelined? Sidetracked? Sitting out because you're hurt? At a standstill? Stagnating? Is it a team effort that you have? Or are you trying to do this by yourself? Two important bookend questions to take with you today. All of us. 
How do you refresh during this race? How do you refresh? And where is your refuge? Some of us here may be entering our last mile, or perhaps we're on our last lap of this race. Are you sprinting to the finish line? Are you running with all of your might? Or are you easing up and winding down? How are you doing on passing the baton to your friends, to your family, to the next generation? Until I proclaim, how are you doing with passing the baton? We need to think about those questions. And we need, lovingly need, to find the answers to them. Because we are all on the clock. In May of 1975, as he was training for the Summer Olympics in Montreal in 1976, yeah, his spirits were down a little bit because I had lapped him. Just kidding. Steve Prefontaine was coming home from a party after midnight, and he was driving in Eugene, Oregon, in his gold 1973 MGB convertible, and Pre, as they called him, hit center line, crossed it, jumped the curb, impacted a rock wall, flipped, overturned, and he was trapped underneath. And the greatest American long distance runner in history, he ran out of breath, he ran out of time, and he died. And he was only 24 years old. Our final prayer today is taken from a book called The Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. And this prayer is called Refuge. Let's pray. O oh Lord, whose power is infinite and wisdom infallible, order things that they may neither hinder nor discourage me, not prove obstacles to the progress of thy cause. 
Stand between me and all strife. That no evil befall, no sin corrupt my gifts, zeal, attainments. May I follow duty and not any foolish device of my own. Permit me not to labor at work which thou wilt not bless, that I may serve thee without disgrace or debt. Let me dwell in thy most secret place under thy shadow, where is safe, impenetrable protection from the arrow that flieth by day, the pestilence that walketh in darkness, the strife of tongues, the malice of ill will, the hurt of unkind talk, the snares of company, the perils of youth, the temptations of middle life, the mornings of old age, the fear of death, I am entirely dependent upon thee for support, counsel, consolation. Uphold me by thy free spirit, and may I not think it enough to be preserved from falling, but may I always go forward, always abounding in the work thou hast givest me to do. Strengthen me by thy spirit in my inner self for every purpose of my Christian life. All my jewels I give to the shadow of the safety that is in thee. My name anew in Christ, my body, soul, talents, character, my success, wife, children, friends, work, my present, my future, my end. Take them, they are thine, and I am thine, now and forever. Amen.